Amen. Thank you so much for that song tonight. It's it's not that God's going to take away the storm. We got to go through the storm at times, and God is God is with us along the way. Well, um, I've heard tonight that there are what'd you call it, Pastor? Decadent, decadent desserts awaiting us. Okay, so I don't say that to get your mind wandering. Although I might have already lost some of you, but um, we uh, had. Kenny, Kenneth and Sarah's wedding yesterday are there in the back. Why don't you guys just stand up? Yes. Kenneth and Sarah Ward. <clears throat> we praise the Lord for you guys, and we're praying for you as you start this new aspect of your life and, and together. So thank you. You guys can be seated. And uh, just excited for them, and uh, they said to me that they, you know, they... They didn't make it this morning. They slept in. They, and I said, well, you know what? I think that's kind of understandable with just getting married and things. And uh, shared maybe a, a blessing of what God's already done in their life and providing a meal and things like that. And so we're just so thankful. But the desserts are from the wedding yesterday. And boy, was there some good food there. There was some good uh, cheesecakes and different things. And so um, please stick around. It's a great way to uh, fellowship together and uh, just talk about God's goodness together. Isn't it good to be together with, with, with family? and yeah. Folks, and we do have a few guests here tonight, and I hope you will feel at home, and uh, we're glad that you're with us. So just praise the Lord for that. So if you would open your Bibles to the book of James, James 5, um, tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to finish out my Sunday school series, <laughs> um, and, I, and I still don't think I'm going to finish it all the way, but, um, but truly I think it's such a good passage uh, for us tonight, and um, you know, mankind is is so, so frail. Mankind, in his own, I don't know if you want to say foolishness, wants to depend upon himself and is so, is, is so, um, uh, what's the word, self-deceived that we actually believe that we can accomplish a lot by ourselves. And uh, often we try to do things on our own. We try to do things that uh, really God, in, in looking to him, is kind of the last resort. And uh, often we want to put God out of our, our thoughts at times. Now, that's not what a believer would say, but that's what our flesh is. Our flesh is we're going to try to figure out a way to accomplish something, to make it happen by enough determination or enough willpower, and uh, somehow we'll accomplish this. Now, there have been people who have done amazing things with determination and willpower, but you know what? We have access to God, and He is the Almighty God, and this evening, I want to uh, preach a message entitled, The Power of a Godly Man's Petition. The Power of a Godly, godly Man's Petition. Uh, I want you to follow along as we start reading in verse 13, James chapter 5, uh, verse 13, and we'll read to verse 18. I want you to see here the proper response uh, to things that come up in our life. And, and there's just one statement here that is so so critical, and we've heard this statement before, but it's so true, and I want us to focus in on this this evening. James 5.13, James says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Okay, the idea of uh, inner happiness, uh, joy. Let him sing psalms or sing these songs, sing praises. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we can come directly to you. We have access to the throne of grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you are the great high priest, that you intercede for us, that you accomplished what we could not. And Lord, I pray this evening that you would help us to see that prayer ought not to be a last resort. It ought to be a first resort. Lord, that we ought to truly uh, live our lives with with you in mind, totally focused on you and having that that dependence upon you daily, looking to you, trusting you. And uh, Lord, it would it would help us so much. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd be glorified now, that you'd help us to see what we have access to and how we would properly respond to situations in our life. that We might see how great you are and what you can accomplish when you simply have people that humble themselves and pray. So, Lord, I pray now that you'd bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Years ago, I was on a mission trip. Um, it was I was from Montana, but went to school in South Carolina, and uh, we took a mission trip with the school out to western states. We didn't go to Montana, but we ended up going to Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, and then we actually went down to California for a bit. And uh, one of the places we went was we went to a camp named Red Cliff. It was in Wyoming. A nice camp. They were just developing it. They called it Red Cliff because there were some cliffs nearby and they were red. And uh, they would do, um, uh, they'd get the ropes out and uh, rappel down them and things and very neat. But while we were there, there was uh, some four-wheelers that they had. And, um, and so, you know, as young people, college students um, that really tend not to think that, you know, they're invincible and and uh, don't have any fears. Uh, we were out and we were riding those things around. And one of the girls, her name was Joanna, she decided to ride it and um, didn't think anything about it. And, uh, you know, 10 minutes, she was out of sight. 10 minutes turned into 15, 20 minutes. And um, one of my friends came to me and he said, uh, he said, we, we ought to start praying for Joanna. We need to pray for her. Something, something's not right. And and I just kind of blew him off, and I said, that's Joanna. She's just out, you know, she likes to just get out, and that's just who she is. She's probably way out there doing jumps and stuff. And, and uh, he said, no, I think we need to pray. And I said, okay, all right, let's pray. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's just Joanna, you know. You ever thought that about people? Okay, um, not, not a godly thought, okay. <laughs> but uh, we did pray, and once you know it, about 10 minutes later, here comes walking Joanna, and she's just banged up, and she's like in tears, and uh, she had flipped over her four-wheeler, and uh, she was okay. Four-wheeler was a little damaged, but she was okay. You know, I learned a lesson at that time, and that lesson was never take things for granted, and why not go to the Lord in prayer? 
Why not go to the Lord in prayer? And I'm afraid lots of times when the struggles of life and the things of life come and when things aren't always easy, we often don't go to the Lord in prayer and look to the most high God, the sovereign king, Lord of all, Lord of all. Instead, we what do we do? We, we take it inside and often we will start fretting and we'll start maybe getting these anxieties and getting frustrated and that can turn into anger and we start taking that out on one another. Or maybe it's the other way around, which, which ultimately that, that is a source of uh, looking inside, looking to yourself. Um, but it could be the idea of sometimes we say, woe is me, and we start having self-pity and, and we get down the dumps and we get depressed and all those things that can come about instead of going to the Lord in prayer. You know, God, as, as what was prayed or, or saying earlier, when we go through the storms in life, God doesn't promise to take away the storms. He can at times, and he can change the storms, and he can he can give a boat, <laughs> he can he can provide, and things like that. But but at times God gives us the strength to get through the storms, and He gives us help to get through it. And so often it's so easy to get frustrated, and angry, and self pity, and all those different emotions that come up. Instead of having direct access to God, we don't think about that. It's a second thought. And so as we see in this. In these verses here, really verses 13 and 14, really talk about the proper response to circumstances that come about in our life. How should we respond in faith? How should we look to our God during times like that? The first question really is, uh, there's a question and answer. It says, is any among you afflicted? Okay, let him pray. When we're going through those trials, often God's puts those trials and those storms in our lives, those times of opposition and affliction to cause us to see that we're inadequate, that we need to depend upon him, that we need to trust him. You know, it's such a uh, such a short phrase there. Let him pray. But do you realize you have direct access to God, that God can help you and he can give you comfort and strength? It says, is any Mary? There's times where, you know, it's, it's like these are the the two to the, the high and the low. He's using these contrasting circumstances in our life. Okay? He says, if you're merry, if you're full, full of joy, just sing to the Lord. How often do we do that? Sometimes we, we glory in the situation, but we're not actually giving praise back to God for what he's doing and how he's helping. And he's using both those. I think really there comes a point in our life when we can not only pray in the afflictive times, but we can also sing in those times of affliction. I think that's when there's true spiritual maturity in our walk is close with the Lord that, hey, you know what? I, I know that God's going to help me through this no matter what. He's going to provide a way. He's done it in the past. He's going to do it again. He's just going to make a way. He's, he's the almighty God. He's the sovereign God that watches over. You can actually, as, as the Bible says in other spots, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When you fall into the, the, the trials and the different things, not because of this, the trial, but because of what God's going to do through it. And so in those different uh, aspects, we can we can pray and we can sing. We can just look to our God and walk with him. And going on, he says, is any sick among you? OK, now this is interesting. And in this passage, really, the idea is there is sickness going on because of because of sin. Because of people rebelling against God, because of people going their own way. And there are, uh, physically, there are a lot of different things that can happen to us 
when we don't turn our lives to God, there are inner inner um, ulcers and different things that can happen. Blood pressure can go up. Uh, it's interesting. I've been in the hospital the last couple of days visiting people, and you know all those monitors or the monitor there, and has all the readings. And uh, we had one of the nurses show us the different readings, and it was interesting to see how the blood pressure was really fluctuating. She said to me, she said, there are certain people that can walk into the room when a patient's there, and you will see their blood pressure go up. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I hope I'm not one of those people. So I kept looking at that, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, in talking to one of the ladies, they said, you know, it, you know, like um, in certain times, you, there's certain people you just don't want in there. And uh, very interesting. And why that can come about. And uh, I guess they t- do lie detector tests because there, there are some, they're not always accurate, I guess, but there are some inner things that are going on when someone's telling the truth or lying. You see, here there is, there is uh, a sin issue. It's not always because of sin, but it is something we ought to think about. I, I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking back on this mission trip, but there was another time, uh, this mission trip was many years ago, but there was a time we had, we had, boy, we were just really sick on that trip. Uh, really sick. It was, it was the end of that time at uh, uh, Red Cliff where the whole team just got like deadly sick with the flu. It was horrible. It was really bad. And our, um, our leader said, hey, is, is there some sin that needs to be confessed here? How often do we, I don't know about you, but when I am going through the sickness, I do my now more of a um, thinking according to the Bible. But I do start thinking, what sins? I need to start going through some confession here. But so often, instead, we focus on the illness and all the problems. When God's really trying to wake us up and show us, is there things we need to confess? Now there there may not be anything, okay. But I don't know about you. Um, there can be confession that needs to be taking place. And so He says here, not it's not a short answer for this one. He says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, and so now here it is that you are humbling yourself and you're calling for the elders of the church, the the spiritually mature, the pastors, or we could say the deacons that that come over. Let them pray over him, anointing him in the name in the name of the Lord with oil. And so there's varying thoughts about the oil there. But the idea is that you are calling and you are saying, please come and pray over me. There's a humility there. There's a a willingness to realize that your body is able to be healed by God and helped. Uh, The oil could be symbolic of the Holy Spirit's presence, God with them. Uh, It was probably probably just olive oil. At other times, it was used symbolically throughout the the Old Testament for the anointing of the kings and things, but also it could have could have had a medicinal effect. We see this with the, the good Samaritan and how it helped. And and some have said some of the commentaries, this idea of anointing with oil is like the massaging of this oil in there. There's something about men and women coming together and praying for others that are afflicted. There's something about that that brotherly love, that 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 family atmosphere that can come about when we pray for one another. Folks, this ought to be a part of our church. It ought to be. There's nothing wrong with asking, saying, I, I am sick. I need prayers. Please pray for me. Now, sometimes you might have to put little masks on or something, but um, we ought to be praying for one another and anointing one another. Uh, obviously, we want to look to medicine and all the medicinal things, but ultimately the Lord is the one that heals and helps. 
But verse 15 is very important because it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. What kind of prayer is it? It's not a vain repetition. It's a prayer of faith in God that God is able to heal and that God is able to help. It's a prayer of, of faith, just like prayers in the Old Testament and prayers at other times where God does amazing things when people humble themselves and seek God's face. I think we have to put parentheses here in the fact it's already been said in James 4 that we not not to pray our own desires, but pray that God's will be done. There are some times that the answer to prayer may not, may not be what we want, but it is exactly what's best for that person. Okay? It may be times that, that God says, now's the time to take this person, or this person's going to live with this. God's ways are not our ways, but we pray in faith, believing. Okay? We pray with claiming the promises of God. We pray knowing that our God is good and that he loves us. That he cares for us. That he knows what's best for us. That he sees the end from the beginning. We pray in faith. We claim God's promises. When you pray, do you claim God's promises? Do you think of specific verses and truths about God that you can just pray right back to God? That's praying in faith. You're saying, God, you are like this. This is who you are. This is who you claim to be. God, would you answer this prayer? Please help. Please do a mighty work. You notice there's confession here in verse 16. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. You see, a time of of illness ought to be a time of confession. Public, Public sins should be confessed publicly. Private sins privately. Um, we don't we don't have a time where just people come up and start confessing all their sins. But I think the idea here is that you're confessing those your faults one to another. You're getting right with others. How sweet that is. Sometimes God puts the illnesses and the things in our lives so that we can get right with others. It's sad, but there's times where people are at the hospital and they meet. And I've seen this. Okay, I've seen I've seen this where. The last time this family member saw this other family member was like 20 years ago. But because this person's on their deathbed, they're finally together. Boy, that's an awkward situation. But God uses that to cause them to face each other. And there's time to confess. There's time to humble yourself and get right with others and get right with God. Praying one for another that you may be healed. There is true healing that comes when we pray in faith, when we look for that, that prayers of the others, and when we confess our faults and pray one for another. But really the statement I want to look at and just look in a little bit more here is this, this statement here. Really, it's the power of a godly man's petition. It says in the King James here, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay? I want to focus in this word prayer. This word prayer here in the Greek here, it's, it's, not, it's a very specific type of prayer. It's really the idea of supplications. It's the idea of praying for something that you desire, that you 
want. Something that you want, in parentheses, according to the will of God, but you are praying and you are desiring that this be done. And that's why it's saying it's a fervent prayer. When you pray, when you have petitions, we ought to pray in such a way that, God, we are claiming your promises. And, God, we are asking you to do this and asking for this specifically. This is a prayer of specifics. Okay, Let me take you to a few other verses to help you see uh, this idea. This is not a word that's used a lot. Often in the, in, in the Bible, you'll see prayers and supplications. Does that ring a bell? Ephesians has it in other places. That second word, supplications, is this specific praying petitions. If you would go to uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. Luke 1 verse 13. Notice the petition that God has answered. Luke one thirteen. we read, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer, thy specific petition is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. This is the priest at the time, the one that would be really having the child, John the Baptist, that would be preparing the way of the Lord. His specific petition was what? That he might have a child, that he might have a son. God answered his specific petition. Now, we know we know that Elizabeth uh, had not had another child. It had been many years. She was older. Okay. And God was now God was now answering this specific petition. You know what that tells me? Some of our petitions that we pray to God and we're begging him for do not get answered right away. But don't lose hope because God knows the right timing and the right place and that he's going to answer that petition. Folks, don't lose hope. I don't know about you, but there's been times I've stopped praying for unsaved family members. Uh, that's kind of confession, I guess. But there's times where you just you think, man, is it ever going to happen? It's not going to happen. You just see the choices that people are making and you just wonder, is it? But we're forgetting who our God is. We're forgetting that he is a God that answers prayer. If he could move mountains, if he can, if he can cause a, a flood in this earth, if he can create our bodies, if he can do all these amazing things, if he can raise people from the dead, can he work in someone's heart and draw them to himself? Can he provide the circumstances and different things that God can do a work? Folks, do not give up on the prayers to your God. Those petitions, those those pleading and begging God, those specific things, just asking God to do a great work according to his will. But you're just begging. You're saying, God, this is who you are. You are the almighty God. You are the God that's full of goodness. You are long suffering. I pray these things. God, would you do a work? Praying these things, the idea of fervent there, the idea of a specific petition, fervently praying and begging God that he would do a work. You want to see another one? There's not many times this word is used, at least in this, uh, this idea here. Romans 10.1. 
Romans 10.1. As you're turning there, I'm afraid that many of us do not have specific petitions for God. Many of us maybe skip over this, and often we talk more about uh, prayer than we actually pray. But as we go here to Romans 10, verse 1, Paul says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this. Israel is that they might be saved. That was his heart's desire, was that the Jewish people would come to know Christ as their Savior. And we see this. This morning we, we were in the book of Acts and we talked about the different missionary journeys of Paul. What did he do when he went to these different cities and he went to strategic locations? He went to the synagogues. He went first, right? Uh, it says there in Romans 1, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that truly was because it was God's chosen people, though often they rejected him. But he went where the Jewish people were and he proclaimed Christ and that he had died for their sins, buried and rose again. Do you think he was putting feet to his prayers? I think so. But that was his heart's desire. That was this idea of his prayer. This is a specific petition. This is supplication for others. There is a little bit of a difference between the generic word of prayers. You see, that's the type of prayer. If you go back to James now, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, folks, it's it's the effectualness and it's it's not necessarily the prayer. And we, we hear this all the time. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. I know what you mean by that. But the fact is, a lot of people pray. A lot of different people, different religions pray. Who's the one that changes things? Who's the one that gives the strength? The idea is it means strong here it has the or not strong, but it has the idea of um, has the idea of working. Um, and, and I think strong, too. Um, but but who's the one that gets the glory for it? Not prayers. It's God. God's the one that does a great work. And it's not necessarily based on you, but it's based on the one you're praying to. Okay? So it's it's effectual. Um, it's the prayer that, that works. It's the prayer in our God who does the work. All right? Um, but also it's interesting here. Do you notice the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous Man availeth much. A righteous man. Now you think about that. And some of us are saying, man, a righteous man, does that mean I have to always do right? Does that mean that there's some spirituality, some some height up there that I have to attain for God to listen to me? I think we all better leave if that's the truth, okay? Because truly, the the righteous man, it all begins with the righteousness of Christ. The Bible is very clear that God, God has opened up the throne of grace to those that are needy, okay? those that need His help. God has opened that up, but it's only through Jesus Christ as your Savior. There may be some here tonight that, that are running from God, that maybe you're here tonight because, I don't know, you feel obligated to be here. I don't know, this is a Sunday night group, but, but that, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? And sometimes... There's, there's things where we go to things or go to church. We don't really want to be there and things. But God does, make, does not make any mistakes. We're here for a reason tonight. And tonight it truly is about Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He was the only one, the only one that lived the perfect life. The only one that could, that could meet all of the Ten Commandments. 
that could meet all of the standards, all the different things, and that he passed through them. He never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He was even there unjustly accused and they're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Here he is before Pilate. And Pilate said, I, I washed my hands. There's nothing. We can beat him and let him go. But he's not guilty. But yet he does not open his mouth. He does not send down the 10,000 angels. But he says he's just faithful to the end. By the way, who gets to go free? A murderer, Barabbas. And he takes it. A righteous man. He was a righteous man that took our sin and took our spot on that cross. He interceded for us. He, he did that so that he might conquer sin, that he might pay our sin debt, that he might be raised the third day so that we could come to know him as our Savior, that we could be righteous in God's sight. God is a holy God. He can't allow sin into heaven. And so when he sees us, he sees we're all, we're all sinners. But through Christ who came down from heaven, has covered us. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when God the Father sees us, He sees Christ. And we can have that true righteousness. You see, folks, it's the righteous man. Now, there is some truth. Truly, the righteous man, the one that is saved, knows Christ as their Savior. Guess what? There ought to be changes in their life. They ought to want to do right. They want to love God. And as you get in God's Word, there ought to be changes in your life. Okay, and so there is this idea of integrity. There's this idea of living a righteous life. But folks, it's, it's, the idea is it's all through Jesus Christ, and it does change you. And so what he's saying, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The idea is we ought to be praying. We ought to be praying specific petitions intently, fervently. We ought to be praying these things not based on our status, but based on the status of Jesus Christ. Based on the fact that he is interceding for us. What a great privilege, isn't it? That we have direct access to God. Uh, what, a, what a great privilege that we can do that. But folks, the last part is the most important part, isn't it? I don't know about you, but um, if it said the effectual fervent, of prayer, or effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails a little, I'm not sure if I'd be praying very much, <laughs> Right? But it avails what? It, it avails much. And um, in, in there's in really in the other parts of the New Testament, this Greek word, whenever it's used, lots of times it has a no in front of it, and it's the idea of nothing. But this aspect means the idea that it, it avails much. It accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish. I mean, think about the power that we have accessible to us that we often neglect because we'd rather just get through the situation and just have determination and and anxieties and fretting and all that instead of just realizing that we have God's help and his presence that he can help us. Think of what we're giving up. I was listening to a message about this and uh, a pastor that some of you would know, but he talked about how he grew up in um, kind of the, the, not the Northwest, but the Western part. He was around a a place where they had a lot of bulls. And uh, in, these, in this, uh, um, what do they call it? Um, corral. Corral, is that right? And uh, they would go there. And, and one time his dad asked him to go get something. And he thought to himself, well, he thought, um, he thought well, it would be a little quicker maybe just to jump the fence and kind of go across. And at that time, it was, it was um, the idea was they, I don't know if they were using them to breed or what, but 
He thought, well, I'll just jump the fence. And he talks about the idea of he has these, these rubber boots he's wearing and he goes through and he looks, what's, what's in those corrals? Um, a lot of, a lot of manure, right? And so he walks through there and he's walking and he can just hear this, you know, the, the, the slump noise or whatever as he's walking through that. And, um, all of a sudden he hears some other noises behind him. He hears that, but it's a little bit softer and a little bit quicker. And he turns around. Now he has, he knows, uh, he, he was prepared. He, he just, I don't know, it was a big crowd, I guess. But he had a, he had a, a, a pitchfork. And so he thought, well, just a quicker way. I have this pitchfork. It'll protect me, you know. And this bull comes up right behind him. And he turns and he, it's not really a good thing to look at a bull in the eyes, okay. But he, he's trying to be loud and verbose and try to scare it away. Often if you're loud and verbose, you can scare away certain animals. Well, this was not one of them. And uh, so that that bowl just wasn't wavering at all and, and uh, comes a little closer. Now he's got kind of a problem, okay? So he takes his uh, pitchfork and he just waves it around and the bull steps forward again. This time he says, I got to do something about this. So he takes his pitchfork and he bangs it on the head. And, you know, the, the pitchfork kind of goes, you know. And the bull just looks right through him, not even phased, and steps, you know, it's not going fast, but step there. So he thought, well, I'm sorry, but this animal is pursuing me. I'm not trying to be mean to it. So he takes the pitchfork, and he says, I'm just going to stick it. So he gets, and he just sticks that thing, and it literally sticks right in the bull, like the side of the neck of that bull. And it stuck, and the bull wasn't moving. And so now he's thinking, what am I going to do? So he, 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 he sticks it, and then he says, I'm just, he's looking. He sticks it, and he just, he says, I'm going to have to turn around and run. Well, he turns around and runs. Fortunately, apparently, he's close enough to the fence. Well, when he gets to the fence, he forgets something. It's an electric fence. He had a pretty big problem that was chasing him down, didn't he? And his desire was to get rid of it with that pitchfork, and that, that wasn't working. So he gets to that fence. He touches the fence, and he forgets, and it's like 220 volt. That sound like a lot? Okay. He touches it, and when he does that, he forgets. Now, it's, you know, it's going in circuit, so it's not there the whole time. He does that, but when he does that, he put his hand on the bowl, and the bowl also got, <laughs> got it. And you remember the... The pitchfork thing, he said he could see like shocks going off the pitchfork, okay? But when that happened, that bull went, you know, whatever the bull does, makes this noise, and it ended up running away. But he had that power go through him to solve his problem. Now, that's not what I would, the way I would want it to happen, okay? But what he was trying to say is the fact that when we pray... We have access to God's power, and he can help us in the situation that we have. Okay? Often, we'll do whatever we can, like with the pitchfork, instead of going to our God and having that exact power that is right there, needed and available for us, that he can do a great and mighty work. Folks, are you praying specifically for lost family and friends? Are you praying specifically for God to do a work? Are you praying specifically these petitions fervently? Because we have access to God's power. It availeth 
much. Well, he gives an, an example here, an illustration of, of, a, of a man. One other thing to say here, when it says a righteous man, it's not talking about a pastor or someone in, in authority. It's an ordinary man. That's the idea of that man there. It's a righteous man, though, one that has been uh, saved, one that is pursuing God. Before I get into the next the illustration, though, I forgot one verse. Let's go to 1 Peter 3.12. It shouldn't be too, too much further in your Bible. 1 Peter 3.12. Look at this. This is just neat. A good verse for us to think of, to memorize. Uh, we read, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Well, that's pretty powerful. I know there's various Proverbs in the Old Testament that have something very similar to this. God, his eyes, he's watching, his ears. Now, does God have eyes and ears? Lord Jesus does, but this is a personification of God trying to get God on our level to help us understand that God is God is real and he's right there. He's willing to help us. He's ready to to hear. But to the but to the wicked or the evil, his face is against them. Wow, it's pretty, pretty strong words. It's pretty strong words. Let's go back to James 17 about Elias, this prophet or Elijah. Since he was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. Again, this is this is praying earnestly, the idea of praying fervently. This isn't the same. Uh, well, I, I didn't double check that. But the idea is he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Well, that's kind of an odd thing to pray, isn't it, that it might not rain? Most people don't pray that. I bet he wasn't a farmer, okay, <laughs> a dryland farmer anyways. But he prays for it not to rain, and, and, um, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three Years and six months. Now, this is the time during evil uh, uh, Ahab and Jezebel. You know what he was doing? He was really claiming the promises of God and the, I guess you want to call it the curses of God. In Deuteronomy, it's very clear. If there is a, if, if the nation of Israel is turning its way itself against God, God would curse them by not sending rain. That's a big time judgment. No rain. There's no food, no livestock, no wealth. You're in trouble. People die. Famine. Okay. He prays that he claims God promises. It was a wake-up call for Israel. And then, it's amazing, verse 18, And he prayed again, and the, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Remember how he prayed also? He prayed to God that God might send down fire upon his wet altar. And God did that as a testimony to how powerful God is. And he prayed uh, in verse, I guess it's right there. But I want you to see verse 17, again, it says, was a man subject to like passions as we are. Seemed to me that that's kind of an illustration that's, wow, that's way out there, okay? But he was a man subject to like passions as we are. That brings it back in, and he's, James is saying here, hey, understand, you can pray these petitions fervently. Pray the promises of God, and God's power is there, and he can do a mighty work in his way, in his timing. But we need to understand, when we say let's pray this is the God that we can pray and the God that can even cause, cause it not to rain. We need to look to our God. <clears throat> this power that God wants to give us is emphatic here. In verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
James is trying to get this across so much that it really says it availeth, or it says much availeth the the uh, prayer of a righteous man. I mean, it's in the Greek. You probably look at the Greek pastor in your uh, uh, on your phone or something. But that's the idea. This is accessible to us, folks. The question is, are we going to our God in prayer? There are times that we ought to praise God and give Him. The praise that's due his name. There's times when our heart is full. We ought to just sing praises to him. But there ought to be times, specific times during our week that we're petitioning our God and, and seeking his face and his help. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful this evening for who you are. Uh, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You preserve it. And it's it's amazing to think even if we um, we're in just a different, a little bit different spot in this universe, Lord. We, we wouldn't be here. But, Lord, you sustain all that. You cause the, the earth to rotate in the different seasons and all these different things. And to think that you're so great, even as we look up in the stars and see the vastness of the universe and think of your power and your might. And we could even say, as the psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of me? Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you incline your ear unto us. You are so great that you are a God that loves us and a God that is so good. And we have direct access to you and to your power and your strength and your help. I pray, Lord, this week that we would take those steps to spend time in prayer with you. That we would have that prayer list and those specific petitions to you, just begging and pleading with you. Lord, this ought to be a part of our prayer time. There ought to be times of thanksgiving. There ought to be times of just giving you that praise. But there ought to be times we're praying specifically for others and praying specifically that you would do a work in, in, in the burdens that we have. Lord, I pray that our, our prayer times would increase this week. That you'd help us to be God-dependent people. Lord, we're thankful now and we pray that you would do work in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.